Hi, I'm Pat Foran. Welcome to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap, a podcast for working indie artists, aspiring music artists, and fans. Each week, I interview a different guest who has a proven track record in the biz or related field. I talk with producers, promoters, audio engineers, managers, songwriters, bands, social media experts, veteran and novice artists too, about their experiences and recommendations. I'll get answers to some of the hows and whys of today's music business, which you will find invaluable in navigating the chaotic world of today's music industry. Today's guest is songwriter and YouTube show host, Janae Giddens, along with her co-host, music business attorney, Cassandra Spangler. Let's get going. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Um, Good. I can think right now. So for the next few minutes anyway. (laughs) You can think for the next few minutes? Yeah, just, you know. Yeah. All over the place. You and me both. <laughs> take a deep, yeah, take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, it always, always. it always happens when um, I have something to do. Of course. Right? So that's why I'm always like, I have this phobia with um, looking something too far ahead. Um. I'm usually like, I like to book no more than a week ahead. Oh, okay. Well, because things start piling up and, and inevitably I always get multiple things happening on the same day. Okay. So if I book a haircut or, you know, um, dentist appointment, uh, three months, six months down the road, invariably, you know, that week or the week before it'll start. Right, right, like, right. Oh, when are you available? Uh, Tuesday or Thursday? Yeah, Tuesday or Thursday. Okay, I'll give you a call back on Monday. How about Thursday? <laughs> what time Thursday? Because I, you know, I'm booked at two. Oh, okay. Right, uh, right, right. All right. So, I mean, it's just, um, it's kind of weird how that works. It It is rather interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, of course, on occasion, I'll read read my astral, uh, my, uh, astrological um, advice for the day or notes for the day. Um, But, you know, I'm not like totally um, attached to that, but um, you know, it's amusing sometimes, Um, but it's, it's kind of weird how that works. I mean, it's just things just, you know, mathematically or whatever. Absolutely. Um, uh, well, I'm kind of into this. Um, I'm I'm getting more into this because I'm kind of in. I'm kind of curious about this exact thing, really. Like, how is it? Well, okay, let's get basic. Okay, <laughs> let's say you're single. You don't have a significant partner in, you know, a relationship at the moment uh-huh. and you're out, you know, meeting people and trying and, you know, uh, not necessarily needy, but I mean, looking sure, for sure. A, a date or an experience. Um, and then 
you know, eventually, you know, you find someone, now you're in a relationship with, the next thing you know, you're in a relationship with somebody. Now all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, uh, everybody wants a piece notices. of notices. Yeah. They notice you. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I, um, has something to do with the law of attraction, I think, or, mm. um, I mean, yeah, I think that's exactly it because I'm, I'm investigating this. So it's like, you can't want something right. And try and get something. You can't want something. There's, on the other side, there's this thing where you try and manifest yeah. your life, right? Manifest uh, your your goals or your your um, your wants in life. Um, trying to make things happen. You want a house with uh, a three bedroom house, then you're like, I'm going to get that three bedroom house, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's gonna you know I already have it. So you're like, you have to adopt this um, uh, this mode of um, not acceptance, but um, letting the universe accept that you already have it, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? I think I'm saying you have to be, this correctly. You have to be open to it. No, you have to be open to it, right? Yeah. And and in a in a positive way. So if you yes. don't want something, you don't say, "Well, I don't want that." Instead, yeah. you say what you do want. <laughs> yes. And you kind of have to own it. Well, I mean, I kind of do this with music. I mean, we're all, you know, as you progress as a musician or as a songwriter. Um, you, um, you do, you develop this sense of worth, of value mm. as a, as a musician, as a songwriter, you know, uh, whether it's true or not, I mean, you develop, it's an ego thing and you, you're like, yes, I am a songwriter. Yes. I am a guitarist. Yes. I am a singer. As a matter of fact, I've been, I think I'm the best singer in this area. Okay. Right. So it yes. could be five blocks. <laughs> right. It could be your neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Be specific. <laughs> but it comes back and um, it's sort of like when you speak to people about it, about your, what you do, you're um, exuding that you're like, it's there. It's almost right. palatable. Right. You know, um, what do they call that? You know, when somebody walks into a room and they have this uh, presence, um, my one teacher used to describe it as um, not so much being positive, but like I said before, like owning owning something. Mm-hmm. Like, um, if you want to be that, then be it. If you want to be right. something, be it. Right. And the, the universe will take care of the rest. Exactly. Oh, so, uh, Pat, ahead, yes. I don't, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, oh. Cassandra is actually waiting to be let in. Okay. Here we go. Just so <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> there she is. Well, sort of. <laughs> Hi, Janae. Oh, hey. Let me see. There you there go. There she is. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Pat. Nice to meet Hi. you, Janae. Nice good to, to you see too. you. Good to see you, honey. I hope you weren't waiting long. No, no problem. Okay. I was talking and <laughs> Janae was trying to get me to pay attention. <laughs> no <was> problem. <laughs> we were talking about 
the law of attraction. Um, I was just saying how, how um, it's, um, well, in the, in the greater scope, like the universe has its way of speaking to you and delivering things to you. Um, maybe if you're trying to achieve a goal, you may find things coming about. Um, you know, you're putting work, the work in, but so that's the other thing I didn't mention was, yes, you have to, if you're going to do that and you create this space, then you have to fill that void and make sure it's, you have a solid foundation in what you're trying to do. Right. That's right. That's right. So, so, um, but anyway, I was just trying to say how things all line up. I was talking about scheduling and how things all line up at the same time. Like I could be waiting for months for something to happen. And then like a gig, I'll, I'll get a gig. I'll book it out six months. The next thing I know, uh, and it's usually, it usually comes on all of a sudden. So it's like usually like a week ahead or a couple of weeks ahead. People start contacting me. Hey, I got this gig on Saturday, you know, 27th. And, um, you know, can you do it? I'm like, ah, oh, what time is it? And they're like five o'clock. I'm like, no, it's, I got a gig starts at, it's two to four. And then it would take me an hour to get there. I said, I don't think I can, I don't think that's a good thing for me. Um, but it just always happens that way. There's, there's these, I've missed some amazing opportunities because mm -hmm. I've taken other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the, the most extraordinary part is, you know, you don't get that chance again sometimes like you never sometimes. hear back you know about that um about that opportunity so right right and, and that, we talked about this before oh did we last time we we spoke <laughs> and and i was saying to you you know sometimes it just means that's just not for you <laughs> it's that's just true. not for yes. you something yeah. else yeah. is going to come along um and let it go <laughs> so with that said, I'm so happy that um, you're able to make it today. Yeah. <laughs> able to do this after all. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. W when I was speaking with Janae, um, uh, I just thought it might be interesting to have a conversation um, with another podcaster. Is that what you, is that what you call it or your show? You know, I, I, I haven't really come. I just call it a talk. <laughs> we don't do it on a regular basis, meaning like it's not every week. It's not every okay. two weeks. We would love that. Right, Cassandra? Right. right. <laughs> but we, we have both have so much going on that it, I don't even know that that's possible. <laughs> so uh, um, can you can you um, give us a rundown of what of uh, things that you cover your topics and some of them are music related or is it all music related? Well, okay. So the channel is, is my channel. And so I do a, a lot of different, not a lot, but I do several different things on the channel itself. But what, what Cassandra and I do um, is we, yes, we talk about the music industry, all different aspects of the music industry. Um, we, we started off, Cassandra, I just wanted to interview you to um, share you with the world. <laughs> Which I appreciate. <laughs> Um, because Cassandra is my music attorney and okay. I just, I just think she's fantastic. So I said, let's, let's do an interview. And it was a two part interview, right? I think. Yeah. Um, cause it was, it was pretty long. I think we talked for like three hours, <laughs> Yeah. covered a lot of stuff. And then we decided, geez, you know, there's a lot of people out there that need information about the music industry. I certainly don't know everything. Um, and I thought, why don't I pick Cassandra's brain 
uh, <laughs> on the air, basically. Uh, so everybody could hear what what needs to happen if you want to be successful in the music industry. So so we did that. And I don't know how many we've done now. I think we've done like, I don't know, maybe 10, 12, maybe more talks at this yeah. point. We started to to ramp it up a little bit more during COVID, you know, because yeah. everybody was sort of at home looking for content um, and focusing on business stuff. So um, we started to do a little bit more during that time. And um, lately, we've been lucky to have been able to bring on some other people yes. and, and interview them. So yeah, a whole range of stuff. I mean, I would say it was targeted toward every everyone involved in music, but primarily independent artists, you know, just some kind of like food for thought for them. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, some of the things that we have talked about, um, uh, we did one on making cover songs, right? And what you need to pay attention to with that. Yeah. Uh, we've done a lot on copyright because people seem to um, be very confused about copyright. Um, and it's really, really important um, to copyright your music, really. Um, we've done, God, what have we done? We've done um, uh, work for hires. We've done one on that. We've done trademarks, LLCs, <laughs> um, catalog music sales, because it seemed like in the last couple of years, the whole world is selling the, the their catalogs, the, the big folks, you know, yes. for millions, right? What else have we done, Cassandra? Um, oh, well, lately we just did the supervision ones, music yep. supervision. Okay. We interviewed um, John Pashada, who's a music supervisor, and Lexi Jackson, who is also um, in music supervision. So we did that. Um, Can you think so, of anything else? So I've run in recently. I've run in. I just have, have a question for you. So <laughs> recently, I've run into um, opportunities for in the sync music world um, for. Um, I have some music in, in a couple of different library libraries, but the arrangement is different. So in other words, I keep all my copyrights, keep my publishing uh, part, uh, publishing piece, publisher share and, and the writer share. But recently I've come across some opportunities where um, the, it's not an agency, it's a, a library, a music library. They'll, want uh the publisher share of right. of any music that uh they they uh, accept from me um and um so so that's that's part of it i don't really have too much of a problem with that because i know in the old music paradigm um you know your publisher share would go like if you were working with a record company you know you would lose the publisher share um most often uh, with the majors and uh, you know, you wouldn't be in control of your, of your work, but, uh, but of course you'd keep the writer's share. Um, but um, so my question is about retitling mm. a work. Cause from what I've heard. So in other words, I think, I guess for sync um, placement for sync placement, um, working with this a particular library, you would get um, a fee. So the- um, Yes, the sync uh, fee. Yeah, a sync fee. 
let's say it's $2,000. And then of course, it's going to, they're going to take a share. The library will take a share. So let's say it's 50, 50, 50. So out of a $2,000 sync fee, uh, the writer or the song owner would get uh, a songwriter would get a thousand, which would be me. And then the company would keep the uh, library would keep a thousand dollars. But then they also on the back end, we get a, a royalty, right? Uh, right? Once it's performance royalty, once the music is used uh, in a TV show or ad or, or, or movie. Um, and the, um, so now the library will get the publisher's share, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, half of, well, it's 100% of the publisher's share. I get 100% of the writer's share mm-hmm. uh, royalty. Um, so, but what happens if um, that's using my title? Um, if they retitle it, what happens now? I don't get, I don't get paid for the sync fee. Uh, I mean, what's the advantage? Yeah, you know something. I'm not actually sure, and I don't know, Cassandra, if if you know anything about that. I have been um, told um, in all of my dealings with Sync that retitling is a little dangerous. Um, <laughs> it gets confusing, and that's really the bottom line. It gets really, really confusing. Um, on the back end of things of who gets what and all that stuff. So I've always been told to shy away from that. I'm honestly not sure how it works, but like I said, I have been told it gets very, very confusing on the back end of things when you're retitling. Well, from, from my understanding, if you give up the um, publisher share, uh, then they're entitled to do, whatever they want to do with the song. So they can go and read the library can retitle it or the publisher publisher mm-hmm. could do the same thing. But now it's not, uh, if I write a song, let's say one of my songs, who loves you. Um, now they change it to who do you love or however they write. Right, 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 right. Now it's not who loves you, which is the song, the title that I used when I wrote the song, they change it to something else. Um, so now it's, you know, I don't understand that. Do you know anything about that? Okay. Uh, Sandra. Um, I mean, I, I would just say in, in general, it shouldn't affect your money. So it shouldn't, you know, when they retitle it, it shouldn't mean that you're losing out on, on any sort of income. Um, and in, I think it's generally done to keep track of when the song is is used in, let's say you're granting a sync license for a TV show. It's used to keep track of how many times it's performed via that TV show, as opposed to the separate recording that you may have released. Hmm. Um, so, it, I, but it should not affect your royalties at all that you're getting from ASCAP or BMI. If that answers but, the question. The, well, what, like there's an upfront sync fee, the $2,000 that I received for my, or ha- half of the $2,000 that I would receive for my song title. Now they retitle it from what I've heard is they keep all of these sync fees. So no, that, that shouldn't be the case Yeah, It shouldn't affect in any way, the money that you're getting, whether it's from public performance royalties from ASCAP or BMI or the sync fee, it shouldn't affect that. 
if if it is, there's something, you know, um, shady going on there. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, imagine that, that, that something and, like that should happen. Yeah. <laughs> and if they are the publisher and they are the ones that are in, are in control of whether you even do it or not, right? If you give that up and they are the person that's the contact point, you're, they're, they're dealing with them. <laughs> so you actually don't know what's going on yeah. unless they tell you, <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if it's, if it's supposed to be $2,000 um, and they tell you that, and they give you a thousand, then you just have to, I guess, trust that that's what it is because you, you gave over the control to them. Yeah. Well, what I, I'm just saying, what I heard was that the sync fees that you don't get a piece of the sync fee if they, if they retitle. Yeah. And again, I, I don't know because I don't do that. <laughs> I don't, I don't do that. And again, I've always been advised not to do that. If they want to retitle, say no go, not, not going to do that. And then, and then of course, to follow that up, basically what I'm told is don't use anything. Don't use any music that you're attached to that maybe you want to release. Uh, you want to record or, or include on an album or other work that you want to do. You don't want to give up your publisher share on music like that. This, this is, this is what I hear. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just so, getting into this. So. Yeah. And, and I guess going back, I think I understand what you're saying. So um, yes, I have been told that if you create music for a library, yes, <laughs> make sure it's not something that you are attached to and want to release and all that. Um, and it's good to actually try to go about uh, getting into sync it, through different avenues. So some you would go directly to music supervisors, some library, some an agent. Um, and that's actually the best way to do it. Again, I am currently not doing that. I My path is directly dealing with music supervisors at this point in time, not dealing with libraries and I'm not dealing with an agency. Yeah. Well, the, Two libraries that I'm involved with now, they don't have that kind of arrangement. I keep all my royalties. They keep it all, yeah. Share, yeah my publisher yeah. share. And, yeah. Yeah. So, and there's, um, there's pros and cons to everything. The pros oh. of, of me going directly to the supervisor is I, I'm in control. <laughs> I can say yes or no to a project. Um, I can negotiate. Um, and it all comes to me. The con of that is it's a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so then the other aspect of that is I'm the libraries that I'm in are non-exclusive. So mm -hmm. if you, I think we were, I forgot to mention that mm -hmm. the other with the publisher share being right. transferred to the library, they're, they're, it's usually an exclusive contract so that you're not going to distribute. So that's, that's the other side of that. Right. Um, so you can, you can, you should be able to then do yeah, whatever and, you want because it's non-exclusive. Yeah. And non-exclusive. Right. So I hope that's not too confusing for people, but. <laughs> well, I think it just shows that there's, my mind. <laughs> it just shows that there is a lot that goes into it. You know, there's a lot of different paths to um, getting your music synced and you really need to do your research and figure out which way is the best way for you and your music because not everybody should go one route versus another you know it's yeah. it all depends on your music really um so uh cassandra um 
how did you find yourself in the music business uh, and into the legal side of music? Yeah. So I um, initially way, way back when I started out as a drummer, was never a professional musician, but I loved music and I knew that I wanted to work in the music industry, just not as a, as an artist. Um, So originally I wanted to someday start a label um, and I worked at a couple of independent labels. I worked at a talent agency. I worked at a record store back when record stores still existed. Um, and this was like the early 2000s when Napster came around and everything really started to change as far as the business model within the music industry. And so it started to, you know, seem like maybe labels may not be around or may not have as much power as they once did. And so um, that's when I decided to go to law school because I figured no matter what changes or what happens, they're always going to need lawyers. Um, So yeah, that's how I I went to law school and then ended up going into entertainment law. Oh, cool. Yeah, I met, um, well, it's been a long time. I haven't really, I've been in touch with a few entertainment lawyers. over the years, but, um, I haven't really had anything major happening. I've been out of the music business for a while and then got back into it about 10 years ago. So, um, starting to line some things up. I have some opportunities coming up, uh, uh, for, for some music that I'm working on. Um, but, um, I think, well, I went to Berkeley college of music, uh, for two, for, for a couple of years and I took a legal, forget what it was called business um music law or something in berkeley there was a course um and uh the first thing the guy the instructor gets up and says oh i'm a i'm a failed musician so i decided to become a lawyer it's like you know you shouldn't be so harsh on yourself you know like i mean he's he's real i'm sure he's like really good at the law the law side um but um you know, uh, I mean, I've met different, um, people along the way, like talking about trademarks and things like that. Um, what, what's your forte? Do you have a, um, a specific part of music business that you cover? So most of what I do is contracts. I would say probably two thirds um, or more is contracts. And then the rest of it is copyrights and trademarks. Okay. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, I was, that's the last time I spoke to a, a music lawyer was about a contract. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, yeah. So um, let's see. I think copyrights is a good thing. Um, so you have a you you have a show you have an ep- episode, uh, Jeanne, about um, copyright law. Yep. With, yep. Uh, we we always it always comes back to copyright for the most part. <laughs> so let's let's just give you a plug here for your show. It's it's on YouTube, right? Um. Yes. Yes. It's and, on YouTube, and, and it's it's under my name, Jeanne Giddens. Um. You don't even need the accent, so it's just J E A N N E. Giddens, okay. G-I-D-D-E-N-S. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, well, uh, maybe we could have a little discussion at another time about basics of copyright and um, trademarks and things like that, just basic stuff. Um, 
to help people go in the right direction. Um, yeah, because, um, I had planned on my show is about is for indie musicians and, um, I've had some, I can't remember if I had any, I had legal advice, but it was from, a uh, an instructor, someone who instruct, who gave a course on it, on, um, copyrights and, uh, the music business, um, who, who got started because, um, he was in a band that had a record contract, I think with a major label. And then, um, at some point it fell apart and then he found out that he didn't own something or <laughs> this mm -hmm. and that, you know, that the record company owned everything. And then he, um, uh, became a, you know, uh, um, a proponent of, uh, you know, like, um, the, the, uh, musicians rights and this and that. So, um, he, he started a course that he, he's from Philadelphia. Uh, he has since passed away, but, um, he, um, I, he was one of the interviews I had on here. So I did want to bring in some, uh, you know, legal expert at some point and, and talk a little bit about, um, things that can help, uh, bands. Um, so let's see. So what else do you cover in your, um, in your show? You're doing, um, is it all legal? All um, in in my talks with Cassandra. Okay. We is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, do you do the show together, or you do a separate show? No. Uh, the show is with Cassandra and I. Okay. We okay. talk about all of these different issues in the music industry. Okay. Together. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that was my question. Where what I was trying to ask. <laughs> <laughs> So now um, I know, uh, uh, Janae, you're, you're from Florida, right? Well, I live living? in Florida. <laughs> I live in Florida now. I'm actually okay. originally from New York. Okay. And uh, Cassandra, where are you located? So I'm also in New York, um, originally from California, but I've been out here since 2004. So I'm never sure, like, you know, how much amount of time needs to pass before you start saying you're from a place. But right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm in New Jersey, so uh, what part of New Jersey? Uh, I'm, I'm close to Trenton, New Jersey. Okay. Um, close Toward to Princeton, Philadelphia. Trenton. Yeah. So I play, I perform in New York. Well, I would be, you know, before COVID, um, I try and get up there like at least once a month. Um, but I perform regionally. I haven't been out too much, um, you know, waiting for the COVID thing to, to actually for it to be a safe zone, <laughs> more mm. of a safe zone or a safe bet. Um, so, okay. So um, as far as like New York goes, how do you find the, um, the music scene there? Are you involved in that at all? Or what, what do you see happening in the New York area? Yeah. I mean, coming from I, I LA. Think or um, compared to, yeah. I mean, I, so I'm more so from the Bay area. So I can't really speak too much on the music scene in LA. Um, I would say the Bay area compared to New York, the Bay area is a lot more independent focused. They've always been kind of insulated. Um, and there's a long music history there. Um, but they, you know, like with hip hop, for example, cause a large portion of my client base is in hip hop and in the Bay area, they were sort of shunned. Um, this is dating back to like the 
90s, early 2000s. They didn't get a lot of national radio play and stuff like that. So they started to create a lot of independent labels and do everything themselves. So the Bay Area has like a very DIY, indie type of a um, vibe. New York, I mean, there's a lot of independent music in New York as well. But of course, with all the major labels having offices in New York um, and New York just kind of in general being like finance town. And, and, you know, so there's a lot more artists wanting to get signed to a major label. It's a little bit of a different attitude, I would say. Um, but still a lot of music stuff going on in both places. And, you know, as far as current stuff, I mean, yeah, I would say still the live music scene still isn't really where it was pre-COVID. Um, a lot of the venues shut down. And another thing I've noticed over however many years I've been here now is so many of the venues in Manhattan shut down and, and some of them moved to Brooklyn. So there's like more music venues going on in Brooklyn, it seems like, than Manhattan, um, even before COVID. But yeah, definitely still the, the live music isn't isn't yet back to where it was, although it's better than than it was a year ago. Yeah, because I was out of music for a good 10 to 15 years. And um, when I came back, this was after uh, Napster. And, um, well, there were still some clubs, like uh, Cafe Vivaldi was one of them. Um, there was a sidewalk cafe and, of course, pianos in, in Manhattan. Um, pianos, yeah. I believe, is, has survived. I, I think pianos is still open. Um, well, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, before I took my hiatus from music, um, the scene was kind of like Lower East Side, I think, or East Village, Lower East Side. Um, was where things were happening. I mean, of course, there was still the bottom line and, well, the bitter end's still there. And, of course, bitter uh, Bleecker Street. Um, but the one, you know, a few places that catered to um, up-and-coming artists, uh, indie artists, uh, or singer-songwriter, um, you know, they were just dying off as I was starting to come back. I mean, there was, I remember seeing a, flyer for a club down the street or around the corner and I don't remember the name of it but it was around the corner from uh, Bleecker Street um, I was at Cafe Vivaldi and I saw a flyer somewhere along the street and um, not, maybe somebody mentioned it at the club and <laughs> I went to look into that a couple of weeks later and and they're, and they're like oh it's closing <laughs> They're not doing that anymore. They're closing. So I was like, oh, I guess I missed that one, you know. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, Cafe Vivaldi closed. Um, this That was before COVID. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there are some things happening in Brooklyn. I've been over there uh, for a few a few gigs. Um, and, and actually, uh, the reason I asked, too, is because um, I'm, I got in with a group of musicians and producers um, based in New York and they're starting to have some, or they have, they've had some success. I can't remember the name. It's called anti, is it anti-producers club? Something like that. 
in um, in New York. Uh, but they're they're working with major artists, um, you know, the producers, and there's more than a handful. There's, I think, off the top of my head, at least twenty who are working with major artists or have worked with major artists. Um, and they're trying. It seems like they're trying to rebuild a scene um, in New York or out of New York. And um, so I was lucky enough to like venture ventured my way into that. Um, and um, so I'm hoping to be doing some some things with that. But I don't know where. I know some people were playing playing in Brooklyn, but um, actually in in Manhattan too. Um, but um, yeah, another club was, uh, I think it was the living room. Yeah. They were in Manhattan and then they moved to Brooklyn and I met Freddy Johnston. Do you, ever, do you know him? No, his name? No. A singer songwriter. He was, um, came about in the nineties and, uh, he was kind of, kind of inspirational to my independent music endeavors, uh, because he just came up, he kind of made him made himself you know uh, an item and then was signed later on uh, by a major um but anyway i met him and he invited me out to the living room and i went to the living room in brooklyn and i'm like wow this is nice club nice crowd i was talking to the bartender she's like oh yeah you should play here and so i'm getting some information (laughs) and i found out it was like a month later i heard that they were going to close so maybe it's me i don't know i'm like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> every time i find something they're closing but um yeah so um i'd always considered myself uh kind of new york centric songwriter uh a lot of influences from the new york area um you know on the made on the major level but um of course i mean uh, there's a lot of california music i like too um so um so uh janae um what um what are you doing these days and what's your, what's, what's in the, in the future for you? Well, well, I, first, I, I only release singles. I don't do albums. Um, I am a singer songwriter, but I don't play an instrument. Uh, so I do have um, a partner I work with that um, acts as my producer. Um, so I basically write the song. I write the lyrics. I have the melody. And then I, I hum. <laughs> <laughs> what it's supposed to sound like to my producer, Mike Grosshandler, who is also a singer songwriter, multi-instrumentalist producer. Gosh, he does almost everything. He's out of upstate New York. Uh, so he's, he does albums. He's in several bands, a uh, very, very talented young man. Um, so we are working on a song right now that hopefully will be released in the next couple of months. Um, Beyond that, I do voiceover. Um, Actually, I'm working on narrating two different books right now. Um, And what else can I do? Oh, trying to get into sync, of course. So I'm a part of what's called Sync Club. Um, And I've been in uh, a few different programs with the person that's um, started it all, Sync Songwriter. I don't know if you've ever heard of Chris and his last name, I'm going to butcher it, but it's Schreenendike, I believe, but he goes by S as in Sam D, Chris S D as in David. Um, he's, if you can check them out um, on YouTube under Sync Songwriter. 
So I've been a part of that program now for, oh gosh, this is year two, <laughs> um, doing, working with music supervisors to, to try to get, you know, see if any of my music fits in anything that these music supervisors are working on. So uh, that's been really exciting and fun and great to meet all the music supervisors and learn all about that. Um, Cassandra and I did just do a couple of interviews in terms of uh, music supervision uh, with, like I said, uh, John Pashada, who runs a few things as well, um, Hacking Music, <laughs> Jetpack Label Group. Uh, we were talking specifically, though, about uh, a program called, um, oh gosh, what is it called? It's called Sync School. Thank you, the Sync School. So simple, and I couldn't think of it. Um, <laughs> the Sync School. <laughs> which actually teaches people how to become music supervisors. So it's the oh. other side of the coin, which is kind of neat. And it's, it's interesting to see what they have to go through. Um, and it helps, I think, to inform you as a singer songwriter uh, to know what they're looking for and to, to do it the right way instead of, you know, annoying the heck out of them and <laughs> getting blacklisted. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so a lot going on, interviews with um, authors, different authors. I also do book reviews. So oh. I, I have a lot going on. <laughs> oh, that, that's cool. <laughs> you can tell from your background that you, um, you ah, I, yes, I like all your my, library. All my books. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was a fun, I forgot, we, we also did an episode, Pat. Um, I, I think, did we end up doing the episode about music books? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, which actually you brought forward a few that were not even music based, but were really good selections. So mm -hmm. that was another great episode. Yes. Yeah. Music books? Like, what? what yeah, it was books that um, oh. have to do with the music industry, okay. but also some of the picks that um, Cassandra had were not necessarily about music. It was just more inspiration and in how to deal with business in general. Mm -hmm. So that was fabulous. So one thing I heard recently was uh, now for sync placements, music supervisors are looking for authenticity, right? Yes. Um, yes. Because some of the earlier sync um, music, like 10 years ago, or so um, they were saying like you could, you know, pick up a ukulele and sing a song, you know, come up with a quick song and then that would be fine. And mm -hmm. now they're trying to get away from music that's actually made for sync and they right. want more of a, uh, well, if you had a band, they would want the band personality in the music versus right. trying to appeal to or sell, you know, uh, sell ads, you know, Exactly. Uh, so products and ads, I mean. Yes. Uh, yes. But that that's what the music supervisors that I deal with have also been saying. Same exact thing. They want they want you. <laughs> yeah. They want they want you to come through, <laughs> not oh, I, yes. I want to be in this movie or this show or whatever, so I'm gonna write a song for it. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of advice like um would you have or might you have for um you know, we talked a little bit about sync, um, you know, as far as like that as one avenue where that you could pursue to generate some income and, and, you know, get a little closer to your dream. 
uh, of being a successful band or an artist. What else um, would would you think might be good advice for um, a band that um, maybe they have their sights set on uh, touring, um, like regionally or just getting out and um, maybe like some of the legal things and some other uh, just business um, aspects. Would you have anything, any tidbits for us? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would just say it, it generally nowadays, um, for good, for better or for worse, artists are expected to be kind of a, an entire brand, um, you know, rather than just, it's not enough anymore to just put out a really amazing album and then collect the royalties because we all know that the royalties from streaming are very small. So artists are kind of forced now to really be an entire brand and to not just put out good music, but also good content on social media, because that can become um, a good income source, you know, for artists, as well as selling merchandise and um making sure your publishing is taken care of and touring as, as you mentioned, Pat touring can also bring in a lot of money for artists. Um, so really just making sure that you're not leaving any piece of that out. I mean, I see social media is a blessing and a curse. I see so many, especially very young artists where it's almost like to them, the goal is just to get to a certain number of followers and then they're not thinking about how to turn that into a, a an income source so that they can support themselves and make a living. Um, so I think just keeping all those things in mind, treating it as a business um, and making sure, you know, working with an attorney to make sure that everything is registered. So you're protected, um, setting up a business, you know, to really treat it like a real business and, and then from there, it just comes down to a lot of marketing and a lot of creating good and interesting music and interesting content. Yeah, I think um, that's that's good good advice. Um, you know, the branding um, concept is <clears throat> something that I'm starting to tackle myself. Um, so. Um, yeah, it's really going around <laughs> in the industry. I mean, people are trying to figure this out. And um, so that I'm hearing a lot about that branding. Um, so I think, um, I, you know, I perform in, in different areas and I go to conferences and I pick up showcase, you know, a showcase slot here and there. Um, but I think, um, I mean, my strategy now is to, work on, um, well, I'm going to be releasing some new music. And, um, so I'm going to be focusing on the social media, um, methods. And so now like TikTok is, um, you know, vital, I believe, um, or it's the place to present your music or present your brand, so to speak. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm have some ideas about that. I mean, I hate, I'm not a video guy. I, I always hated, I hated MTV as, I mean, for me, I liked MTV, but I hated thinking about me doing a video for, mm. for a song, you know? Um, I, I, I was, I kind of grew up uh, on the radio side and, you know, falling in love with this song and that song on the radio and 
you know, kind of had your own world. Um, but, um, you know, I have, I have a few ideas for that, for this TikTok thing, but, um, I think, you know, you, you want to, you know, get your message out, um, through social media, um, and, you know, cultivate, uh, an audience or fan, fan base. Um, and then you can kind of be a little more picky about maybe about where you want to perform. I mean, if you're, I'm in New Jersey. So if people like me in, um, South Korea, (laughs) that's kind of, that's logistically a little bit hard for me to get over there and, you know, perform over there very often. So, um, there's that, you know, you, you may cultivate an audience, but they may not be linked, you know, in a, in a, um, a profitable, uh, touring, um, uh, scheme. So, um, there's that, you know, so these are things that I think about <laughs> and like, you know, I don't really have to worry about that right now, but <laughs> I think about it. So do you have anything interesting coming up um, for your show? Any interesting, uh, I did, I think I listened to the one you were talking about, a, a recent interview with a music supervisor. Oh, uh, that was probably Lexi, Lexi Jackson. Was that the sync? What's, what, what did you call it? Sync club? Oh no, she's not involved. That's completely separate. Oh, okay. Yeah, the sync club is completely something I'm doing completely separate. It's an actual class thing, um, if you will. Um, but it's a program. Um, okay. But no, this Lexi used to work with John Pashada, who runs the sync school okay. um, and hacking music and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so that was the last one that we did with Lexi, and she went on to. Um, ESPN actually. So, um, yeah, well, I think, so I think I, um, I think I watched the one with John Pashada. Did you say? His okay. Name yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, I think he posted it on LinkedIn. That's I think, no, we mm-hmm. didn't meet on LinkedIn. We met, Oh, we met through the fame hackers. Exactly. Workshop. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so uh, I believe I'll, I'll probably be trying fame hackers, you know, trying oh, to work with them a little bit. Yeah. The, uh, Ella, uh, Isabella has some great, um, experience and ideas. Um, Isabella Bedoya, she did, she's my second episode. Um, mm-hmm. she, she came on and discussed that, but now that's a year ago. So things have changed. So I have to have her back on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I remember I listened to it and I was like, um, I don't think this was recent. And then you told me, you're like, yeah, it was like a year ago. I was like, Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Social media. Yeah, she's, she's great. She's great. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, um, is there, what, what do you, what do you listen to these days? Anything? Is that for Cassandra or me? Well, for, for both, <laughs> both of you, whoever, whoever wants to take it first. Um, I'm just kind of curious, uh, you know, my tastes have, I can't say my tastes have changed, but my listening has changed. So what do you, what do you think about today's music world? You know, I have to confess, I I don't really listen, honestly, unless I have a long car trip. Okay. Um, because I'm constantly in my booth <laughs> recording, <laughs> um, and and doing all the different things that I do. I just don't have the time to sit back, relax, and listen to music, honestly. 
my confession for today. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's usually, I don't listen to nearly as much new music as maybe I should. Um, but, you know, it it's, whatever, I still use an iPod. So, um, especially at the gym. So whatever's on my iPod, which I don't think I have updated any music on there in five years at least. So there's a lot of music on there, but nothing that's been uh, released within the past five years. So I also do listen to Spotify. I listen to a lot of Sirius XM because sometimes I get lazy and I don't want to choose what I'm listening to, but I know sort of like what genre I'm feeling like listening to. So I'll just put on Sirius XM, whichever channel has the genre that I'm feeling like. Um, and yeah, but, but not nearly as much new music as maybe I should. Well, I think I was, while I was not doing music anymore, I was exposed to my kids' music choices. Um, so I was kind of exposed to a lot of, uh, newer music at that time um, through my kids and um, there had seemed to be kind of a resurgence of rock at the time um, like a pop rock kind of thing um, so it's like Smash Mouth and you had mm, yes. not sure if I'm going to remember anybody else but <laughs> I remember that band um, and then um, it seemed around 2010 that kind of ended um, I mean there's still rock bands but um, and I, it's funny cause I, I meet these younger bands, uh, uh one group out of, uh, Maryland that, uh, the guys are like 20 years old, like literally 20 years old <laughs> and, and they're playing these, like, um, they're playing like a kind of seventies, eighties rock that they write. And I'm like, how do you guys even know this music? Like, where do you, Oh, I listen to my parents records and, you know, CDs and, like wow um it's like something that you would hear on the radio you know 20 or 30 years ago um i i try and listen well if you watch tv if you watch any shows especially through the through covid <laughs> you know we were, everybody was kind of glued to the tv because there wasn't anything else um you know so i get to hear newer music on TV shows. Um, now I like movies too. So you get to hear it on movies, but um, I try and I like alternative music. So I was kind of listening to that through the two thousands. Um, and I heard people like Sia um, in around the mid two thousands. Um, and then I found out who she was recently, like five years ago, when she had the big hit, you know, uh, Chandelier. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I've been listening to her for <laughs> 10 years. You know, I didn't know who she was. I kept hearing, I loved the voice and I'm a singer. So I was like, wow, man, I wish I had that resonance. She just has this resonance to her, to her voice. Um, some people do, you know? Um, and, uh, so, um, things like that. I mean, I just try and pick up what I can, but I think it's relevant to sync now. So maybe the killers or, uh, I've been listening to Portugal, the man, um, and, um, trying to figure out where, 
where my music might intersect a contemporary sound. So I'm going to be releasing a couple of tunes pretty soon that um, I think hit that. I've had at least one music supervisor said that say that I did hit that, <laughs> that, that contemporary sound. So that's nice. Um, but um, so I guess, you know, deeper into my question was, would be like, if you're listening to music, um, are you finding um, links to the past or universal um, aspects of music that, that are always there? you know, might be dressed differently. Um. You, you know, and I guess I, I should backtrack and say it's, I, I have been listening to music, but I don't think of it that way because it's all of the people that are in my program. <laughs> we, we listen <laughs> okay. to each other's music. And so the first program I was in, there was, oh gosh, I think over a hundred of us. Um, wow. And so we were listening to each other's music. Now I want to say it's more like 70 maybe people in this new program. Um, but, um, you know, we do song contests. We do all kinds of things. So we are constantly listening. Um, and anything goes. <laughs> anything goes, honestly. And and going back to the supervisors, they will say the same thing. There, there really is no one sound that that they're looking for. It's really whatever the director is looking for a lot of times, but um, so, so what's kind of encouraging is that as long as the production is up to par, um, you can get synced no matter what kind of music you do. Really? I mean, there's opportunities for every now, everyone. Now, of course, there's more opportunities for certain genres than others but there is an opportunity for everyone so i will take back my statement that i do not <laughs> listen to music because i actually do so it's a lot of independent music i guess is is the answer for me why well, there's there are weekly um meetings that i go to sessions and we do like a music breakdown i don't make it every week but i was there a couple of weeks ago and um this one band came on and I'm like, I'm like, this isn't, it's not really contemporary music. It might be contemporary production. But again, I was saying, you know, it sounds like something from the seventies or eighties, mm -hmm. but it was a new band. Mm -hmm. And, and the one person um, who was in charge of the, of the session was like, Oh, it definitely has a contemporary sound. Well, the, the people playing it are like 20, 25 years old. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, inherently there's going to be something contemporary about it, right? Because their interpretation is going to be different than my interpretation, you know? Um, so, um, I mean, that's what I find. So, uh, you know, I go to these sessions and they're like, oh yeah, we need, it's got to sound contemporary. And of course the produ production is, is always important. The most, yeah. one of the most important aspects, but then I go and I, and I, watch a TV show or, or a movie and I'll hear so I'm like, no, that's not contemporary. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's a, that's an 80s song. Right. A and, 70s and, song. 
And that's the thing. It depends on the project. So a lot of times the supervisor will be looking specifically for songs from the 70s, from the 60s. They don't want somebody that just wrote it today and it sounds like it's from them from there. They want it to be from there because they're looking for people to have that recognition like, oh, I remember that song. You know what I mean? And other times they are looking for, listen, as long as it sounds like it came from, (laughs) it sounds like a 70s type. It's fine. I don't care if you just wrote it a minute ago. So and that's where I say everybody has an opportunity because it literally depends on what they're looking for. So if we're talking about authenticity, Mm -hmm. then as long as you're honest in developing the song, yes, then you you have a shot. Yes. And they say they can hear it. It's amazing. They can hear it. They're like, yeah, we we can tell that that is not something that came from your heart. (laughs) You were trying for this, you know, I don't know how they can do that, but (laughs) they say they can. Yeah. That's, so I can't think I, I just went around. We went all the way around. <laughs> mm-hmm. I came back to write what you feel. You know? Yes. And, and yes. You know, yeah. I, I still think you should pay attention to the, to the uh, trends, but trends don't last. So, yeah, you know, that's exactly you can't, right. you can't write for yesterday. You have to write for tomorrow or mm-hmm. today. Today is good, but tomorrow, um, that's kind of the way I look at it. Uh, so um, let's see, anything else that you'd like to say or, or offer up to our listeners, the millions of listeners that are going to be hearing this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, millions of listeners. <laughs> you mean like a, a crowd uh, noise in the background? Yes, that's hearing. right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I appreciate you having um, me on and asking Cassandra and I to talk. Um, you know, again, going back to our thing that we do, it's really just to support, again, I say independent musicians, but and probably because everybody's an independent musician at this point, but um, <laughs> people just starting out that have no idea what they're doing. People that have been doing this for years and still have questions because it is, as I always say, so complicated, um, you know, and, and just so you know, I wrote my very first song in 2008, you know, and I actually, um, I I never even released it, although I'm going to be releasing a few songs from the beginning um, because again, music supervisors like, oh my God, these are great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But um, it took me, I think, six years, six years from the time I wrote the song to finally get it produced. Uh, And that's because I had no idea what I was doing. Absolutely not even a clue what I was doing. And, you know, the roadblocks of not being able to play an instrument. That's that's a tough one right there. Um, It got infinitely easier once I met Cassandra. Um, and she helped to guide me and tell me what I needed to do every step of the way. Um, and you know, I ended up getting myself organized and, you know, I have my handy dandy spreadsheet for everything. Um, but yeah, I guess I just want people to know that, you know, don't give up. Don't just because there's a roadblock, you know, you'll figure out how to get around it. 
over it, under it, whatever. Um, don't give up. Just keep working at it. Keep learning. Uh, and, and you can, you can definitely, I'm not saying you're going to be a millionaire. That's not what it's about. <laughs> I'm just saying, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Yeah, I think that that's great advice, Shanae. There's a quote by uh, Brentford Marsalis. Um, he said, if you're in it for the money, you know, it's, it's something like to the effect of if you're in it for the money, you're not going to make any money. If you're in it for the music, then the money will come to you. So, and again, maybe you're not going to be a millionaire, but you may find your, your niche and, um, you know, make a, make a living at it or supplement your living, you know? Right. So, and I think that goes back to the, when we started talking earlier about uh, the law of attraction and um, one of the things we didn't discuss was, well, you you talked about it. You in the beginning, you didn't know what you were doing, but you worked at it mm -hmm. and and found the right resources and found your way um, to to uh, delivering um, or accomplishing what you were trying to accomplish. Right. And um, so so yeah, you have to. Um, hone your skills, your skill set. And unfortunately today, like we were, Cassandra, you were talking about the brand, branding, um, that skill set is, is much wider than it's ever been, you know, yeah. right? So, but that's the challenge. And um, first take care of the music and, and, um, you know, develop your product and, and um, and then take the, take the next steps, you know, as you grow, and and just let it grow. I think that I think that's the everybody wants everything right away, and some people get it right away. Yeah, yeah <laughs> some people are in the right place at the right time, and you know. So the other the other part about that is get out and network and um, find opportunities. If you go out and you meet people, meet the right people. Uh, you could go out to 10, 10 events, but it only takes one event where you meet the right person who invites you to a significant gig where you meet someone else or you pick up some fans or you meet the club owner and they invite you back. Um, that's, that's really how it works, right? I mean, as an artist, um, you, you just have to get out and share your, share yourself and um, be available again law of attraction, you know, uh, get out and, uh, or, uh, make yourself available, right. For these opportunities. You can't do it sitting at home. That's a whole other subject. Cause one guy did do it sitting at home, but <laughs> Russ, that's, that's the guy's name. The, uh, um, hip hop artist, rap art artist. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, well, I really appreciate you stopping by today and um, maybe um, we could um, tackle a music business kind of um, episode, like gen general information at, at another time. Yeah. And, and um, go ahead. 
No, yeah, I was just saying that would be great. Um, and thank you, Pat, for having us on. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Thank and, you, Pat. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks so much. And um, I was going to say, again, one more time, you're on YouTube. We can find your episode with you and Cassandra. Yep, uh, you Janae can find, and Cassandra. find our talks um, on my channel, which is at Janae, J-E-A-N-N-E, Giddens, G-I-D-D-E-N-S. And okay. it's my YouTube channel. And um, we, uh, it's basically, uh, there's a whole, I did a, um, oh, what are they called? They're called, uh, I can't remember. But... <laughs> <laughs> Playlist. Thank you. Cause you see, she's wonderful. <laughs> playlist. We have our music business playlist there. Oh, basically. cool. Yeah. Awesome. The whole playlist. Yeah. Yeah. I will be looking at that myself uh, a little further on. Um, now, Cassandra, do you have, do you, are you taking on clients at this time or are you open for people to contact you about music? Uh, yes, please. Um, always taking new clients. And the best place to find all of my information would be to go to my website, which is cspanglermusiclaw.com. Um, that's C-S-P-A-N-G-L-E-R musiclaw.com. Awesome. That's terrific. All right. So um, I guess we'll wrap this up. And um, I look forward to speaking with you again. And I will be catching your episodes. And uh, once again, thank you so much. And have a good rest of the night. Excellent. Thanks, thank Pat. you so much, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Right. Have a good night, Janae and Pat. Right. Thank you. Thank you. you too. All right. Take care. All Bye. Right. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. For more information about Janae Giddens, go to her YouTube channel under Janae Giddens. For more information about Cassandra Spangler, go to cspanglermusiclaw.com. For more information about Pat Foran, you can look up Pat Foran Music on the web or go to patforanmusic.com. You can find me on Instagram, pat.foran, and also on Facebook. Thanks for listening to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap with Pat Foran.